CCRN, the Cigar Connoisseur Radio Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the Cigar City of Tampa, Florida, USA. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General Cigar Dave. Being an alpha male means that we enjoy life's great pleasures, whether it is a cigar, whether it is a libation, whether it is sports, whether it is being on the golf course or fishing or any other pursuit or activity that brings you pleasure. And one of the pursuits that brings me great pleasure since the time I was a toddler is flight, aviation, flying. And today we have moved Command Center Alpha from Humidor 1A in the Cigar City, just about 40 miles to the east of Tampa. We are in Lakeland, Florida at the Lakeland Lindner Airport on the flight line, attending the 2016 Sun and Fun International Fly-In Expo. And lieutenants, fire up your engines and you are cleared for takeoff. Long Ash greetings and salutations. A Long Ash snappy salute. Semper delictatio. Always pleasure. Long live the Alphas. We welcome you, lieutenants. And as I mentioned, we have moved Command Center Alpha to the flight line. This is quite the place. This is the second largest air show in the country. And this all began in 1975 when a group of uh, members of the EAA in Lakeland, Florida, the Experimental Aviation Association, decided they wanted to have a little gathering, a little fly-in for a weekend. So they started their first fly-in, and 2,000 guests attended, about 300 aircraft. And here we are, 2016, over 40 years later, with now over 300,000 guests attending, thousands of aircraft displayed on the flight line, including single engine, including jets, including warbirds, including military planes, commercial planes. This is the epicenter of the aviation universe. So we never miss an opportunity to enjoy life's great pleasures as alphas. And so today we will come to you for the next two hours from the Sun and Fun International Fly-In Expo Lakeland, Florida. We've got a great group of guests that will be joining us. And just like the world of cigars, aviation also under attack by the enemies of aviation, just the enemies of pleasure in general will be joined by Mark Baker, the CEO of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association, talking uh, about the challenges they face, just like those of us that are cigar connoisseurs face with the uh, government intervention that continually goes on. Also talk about flying, learning to fly. How to fly, how to, uh, how to make the decision that you want to learn to fly. It's very exhilarating. And uh, the way that I got into flight from a very young age, my father would take me for rides in his uh, convertible in the spring and summer and fall to the Greater Buffalo International Airport. And I remember as a kid sitting right on the edge of runway 23, 
uh, to the southwest, and we would watch the planes land and take off. And I always found it amazing. And my mother reminded me uh, just about a year and a half or so ago that when I was a little kid, my father would say, what do you want to do today? We'll go for a ride. And I'd always say, plane, plane, plane. So from the time that I was a little kid, maybe two, three years old, I was always just uh, mesmerized with flight just mesmerized with planes, how they operated, how they took off and land, just the, the beauty of it. And uh, here I am today, not only an aviation enthusiast, but I am a licensed pilot, uh, instrument-rated pilot as well. And the exhilaration and the freedom that it gives is certainly incredible. So Mark Baker, CEO of Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association, will be joining us. Alan Klapmeyer, an aviation entrepreneur, a great story behind this man. He'll be joining us, and then John Lights. Leanhouts, the president and CEO of the Sun and Fun Flying Expo, will join us. And our good friend, longtime friend, Mark Blanton of the Humidor Store, who not only is involved in the world of cigars, he's involved in the world of aviation. He actually owns an airline. So we'll talk about that. But first, lieutenants, as you know, I've been after, I have been leading the charge against opening up diplomatic relations with Cuba. I'm not against opening diplomatic relations in Cuba. What I'm against is opening it with a communist government that treats their citizens as enemies, that jails dissidents, that does not believe in a capitalist system, that uh, underpays their workers. I in no way, shape, or form support anything the Castro brothers believe in or espouse. And I've been very clear about that. Well, President Obama, as you know, opening up diplomatic relations with Cuba, paid a visit several weeks ago. Well, Bill O'Reilly, soon thereafter, very quietly and uh, without any fanfare or pomp and circumstance, decided to take a video crew down to Cuba to get an idea of exactly what was really going on. And on, uh, I think it was uh, Tuesday or Wednesday evening, Monday? Thank you, Sergeant Steve. Monday evening. The week is already uh, passed by already. But on Monday evening, Bill O'Reilly, in uh, I believe it's second or third segment of the show, on his personal story segment, talked about his visit, or he's like to, he's uh, said the no-spin zone visit to Cuba. So let me give you his first impressions. We have some audio bites from him. And I think it's very interesting because, and it's very poignant, because he tells it in a no-spin circumstance, whereas a lot of people now are trying to romanticize Cuba and all oh, the buildings and the cars. And, and I have no problem with the people. Most of the people do not want to live under that regime. They don't know anything else. They are very pro-American. We don't need to, to have Radio Marti or TV Marti telling Cubans, America is great, we're on your side. They know that. Bill O'Reilly went down. Here's his first impressions and exactly about how the Castros control everything, including the media. I arrived in Cuba shortly after the anti-government demonstrations in Havana. But few in Cuba even knew this happened. The Cubans I spoke with denied anything took place. There was a complete news blackout on the island, which is the largest in the Caribbean. All dissent is kept hidden by the government, which controls nearly all mass communication. So nobody even knew that happened over there. Simply put, Cuba is a police state. To my many friends and acquaintances that have visited Cuba and keep talking me to join them and how great it is and telling me that they're trying to establish business relations with the people in Cuba, 
The reality is just what Bill O'Reilly said. Cuba is a police state. I don't want to support a nation that tortures their citizens. I don't want to support a nation that jails their citizens for speaking against the government. And all the press that we heard here about Obama's visit, the Cuban people heard nothing. So when Obama says we're going to open up the Internet access and communications access to the Cuban citizens, what good is it when the Castro brothers flick the switch to turn the Internet off and any ability to determine what is happening in their country and with the outside world? Now, he goes on to talk about the government living under 57 years of Castro oppression. Our guy told us the country's not communist, but socialist. The triumph of the revolution, as he put it, assures the people of equal treatment. No income inequality there. That's because after 57 years of Fidel and Raul Castro, there isn't any income to speak of. Almost 75% of all Cuban workers are paid by the enormous central government. Salaries average, ready? About $24 a month. That's right. $24 a month. Most Cubans are desperately poor. 24 bucks a month. So if you are a factory roller in one of the Cuban cigar factories, you make $24 a month. Is there incentive for you to make great products? Is there incentive for you to make sure that the quality is extra special, is, extra, is just perfect? Is there incentive for you to be efficient? Not at $24 a month. Socialism, his big revolution after 57 years, has been a miserable, abstract failure. It gets a giant F. It does not work. But let me tell you how it works with the Cuban government. If a company, for example, Starwood and Marriott announced deals to manage numerous hotels down in Cuba during Obama's visit. Well, here's how it's going to work. Let's say that, that Marriott needs... 300 employees to work in the hotel that they're taking over. Does the Marriott pay the Cuban their workers directly? No. The Cuban government under the military says, all right, you've got 300 workers. We're going to charge you $3,000 per worker per month, and you remit payment to us. They, meaning the Cuban government, the Castro regime, then goes pays those 300 employees $24 a month. Now, we love to hear socialists talking about how the as Bernie Sanders and the taxocrats saying that the wealthy have to pay their fair share, that the working class is getting screwed. Well, here's a communist socialist regime, regime that is screwing their own citizens, their own employees. They get three, 4000 a month per employee, and yet they pay that employee $24. There's no surprise why any of the hotels or any of the, the service industries, why the service isn't great in Cuba. You have a workforce that is not motivated. What would solve that? Capitalism. Now, Bill O'Reilly stayed in one of the better hotels in Cuba. Did he enjoy the experience? Generally, the Cuban people are very nice, but the hotel was a disaster. Picture this. Room rates as high as luxury hotels in Miami. But the comparison ends there. Maybe you get your room cleaned. Maybe not. Hot water in the shower? No. Unless you figure out the trick. You have to run the hot water in the sink simultaneously. 
Then you get clean without getting hypothermia. Towels, very hard to get. Face cloths, nope. A bellman to take you to your room, forget it. The food was okay. And that's a top-of-the-line Cuban hotel, not a youth hostel. Here's the end game. The Castro brothers control everything. They're backed by the military, which siphons off much of the money tourists like me spent, enriching the officer corps. They live great. The regular folks are beaten down, fearful, many indoctrinated. Yes, some support the police state, no doubt about it. But others seethe under the crushing poverty. He hits it right on the head. Their luxury hotel wouldn't make it, wouldn't pass for a, a, a luxury budget inn or a Motel 6 here in the United States. My idea of roughing it is a Ritz-Carlton with, uh, with no minibar. So there's no way on earth I would ever go to Cuba. And by the way, there's no way on earth that people that want a luxurious vacation are going to Cuba unless such time when you have the private sector going in and operating things. Capitalism works. Why is it? that all the refugees we see, people lining up to escape Cuba, the former Soviet Union, and other communist and socialist repressive regimes, why do they want to come to the United States? Because in this country, you can start with nothing and become very successful. There is no limit. There's no room for growth or, or moving up the corporate ladder or the business ladder or entrepreneurship in Cuba. Lastly, O'Reilly brings up a great point talking about socialism. And he also brings up a great point about what all these young persons who think that Bernie Sanders' socialism is great, they ought to experience it for themselves. Socialism never works. And Bernie Sanders needs to go to Cuba and take witness. There's no incentive to succeed in Cuba because material success is a sin. Every American should see Cuba, if only to understand what a ferocious central government can do. And younger Americans who think Bernie Sanders is very cool should be required to go there. Let's see how all those Bernie Sanders supporters, the youths or youths uh, on college campuses, love getting 24 bucks a month. Let's see how quickly they say, well, that's not fair. I'm working just as hard as the other guy or harder, and I'm getting, I'm getting the same amount. They all think it's great until it actually, you have to experience it. So socialism, communism, they're experiments that continue to fail over and over and over. Is capitalism perfect? No. But the one thing about capitalism is that it doesn't hold people back. If you have a great idea, whether it is a software application, it is some sort of electronic device, or even the concept of an alpha male radio, weekly radio show, if you come up with idea and you're willing to work hard and roll, your, roll the dice, invest your time, invest your capital, the opportunity to, success, to succeed in the United States is unparalleled uh, that you don't see in any other nation. So to all my friends and all of you people that think Cuba is so great, it's paradise, it's utopia, wake up. Bill O'Reilly hit it right on the head. I couldn't agree more. Lieutenants will continue from the 2016 Sun and Fun International Fly and Expo, Lakeland, Florida. The National Cigar Litation and Libation Ceremony is next. The General is always on Twitter, delivering breaking news, giving you the latest intel on cigars, and battling the enemies of pleasure. Chat with the General now at Cigar Dave Show.
The journey of Yarguera began with a very special yet delicate Cuban seed. The grupo de maestros took their rare tobacco to the privileged farmlands of western Honduras, where they began a five-year program to combine its sweet flavors and distinctively aromatic qualities with the robustness of Criollo 98. The result was Yarguera, a genetic hybrid tobacco containing the best qualities of each. Grown on a single state containing rich soil and ideal weather conditions, Yarguera features flavors of coffee and chocolate with hints of nutmeg and cinnamon. Shade and sun-grown versions of this exceptional tobacco are now used exclusively in one cigar. Yarguera H. Upman. Experience Yarguera H. Upman. Now at your local tobacconist and visit yarguera.com to learn more. Surgeon General Warning. Cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. As a cigar connoisseur, one of the pleasures that we derive is walking into our retailer's humidor and seeing the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. Nine years ago, I had the idea that I wanted to share great cigars with the cigar lieutenants. So, the Officers Club was born. Every month, you will receive three fantastic premium cigars direct to your door, shipped in a very dapper Officers Club customized Ziploc cigar pouch. $22.95 per month gets you the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. No long-term contracts. You can cancel whenever you want. You enjoy great cigars right to your door. Names like Perdomo, Diamond Crown, Brickhouse, San Latano, Rocky Patel, Torano, CAO, Avo, Camacho, Greycliff, and many more. Join the Officers Club today. Go to CigarDave.com, click on Officers Club, and for $22.95, you'll get the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. It's an exquisite day here at the Jensen Estate patio overlooking the 13th green. And we're underway. Jim Jensen has chosen his favorite stick. The Diamond Crown Number 4 by J.C. Newman. See the way he holds the cigar, Tom? Mm -hmm. Excellent balance and heft. Ooh, he's eyeing the silky Connecticut Shade Wrapper, fermented twice for the smoothest, richest flavor. And hand-rolled by the Fuente family with a blend of six to seven distinct Dominican and Caribbean basin tobacco leaves. Each lovingly aged for at least five years. Oh, now Jensen's lighting up the Diamond He's got a precision burn, Tom. Mm, those highly complex flavors with hints of dark chocolate really deliver, Bill. Yes, like all cigars in J.C. Newman's premium diamond crown line. That'd be the highly rated Maximus and the Julius Caesar. Ah, now Jensen's settling in, rolling the rich smoke through his nose. Look at the satisfaction on his face, Bill. Oh, a thing of beauty, Tom. Experience the premium Diamond Crown brand by J.C. Newman at select retailers or Diamond Crown Lounge near you. Find us on Facebook at J.C. Newman Cigar Co. or visit DiamondCrown.com. With an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy, it's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. Front and center on the flight line at the 2016 Sun and Fun International Flying Expo, Lakeland, Florida. And the music you hear, Rhapsody in Blue, but better known as the theme music for the United Airlines commercials. And the cigar that I have pulled out, brand new, it is the new Davidoff Nicaragua box press. Now, the Davidoff Nicaragua launched two, three years ago to much fanfare, great cigar, booming sales. 
And Davidoff just came out about three weeks ago with a spicier box press version of their core Nicaragua line. Comes in two different sizes, and it's a beautiful square press, absolutely gorgeous. The Davidoff Nicaragua box press comes in two sizes. First, a Robusto, 5 inches in length with a 48 ring gauge or 48 64 of an inch. And it comes in a Toro, 6 inches by 52, my favorite size. That's what I will enjoy today. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, suggested retail prices, $14.50 for the Robusto, $17.20 for the Toro. And it is absolutely magnificent. A little bit spicier blend, but a just gorgeous cigar. And that's exactly what I will enjoy today. Cigar-altering and highly sharpened leaf-exposing device. Have myself sharpening actually a single-edge stainless steel guillotine today, but what's cool about it is that it's got a uh, very sharp edge on one side that's stationary. Another guillotine on the other does a great job. Now, I should also say that I will uh, tweet out pictures and also post on Facebook and on CigarDave.com. Davidoff sent out a very lovely promotional package. So great cigars, some other items in there, and I will send that out. Very, very cool. Maximum BTU flame-throwing and heat-producing apparatus. Now I got my Cigar Dave signature lock and load litation device ready to go. Cigar, Cigar pre-litation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two. One. Perfect cut of my Davidoff Nicaragua box press. I will gently toast the foot of this cigar. And as I do, I will puff and rotate. Mm. And without any delay. Scotch, bourbon, and beer. Commence thirst-quenching libationary maneuvers. It's eight hours bottle to throttle on the flight line. No alcoholic libation, but I've got some freshly squeezed, cool, refreshing lemonade. Must be about 60 ounces in my hand right now, and it goes beautifully with my Davidoff Nicaragua box press. Lieutenants, when we come back, we'll be joined by Mark Baker, the CEO of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association, as we come to you from the flight line at the 2016 Sun and Fun Air Show. The Cigar Dave Officers Club selection for April is an Indian head cigar sampler, including the La Galera Habano. It's a medium to full body blend with an amazing aroma. La Galera Habano is complex with an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, Dominican Corojo binder, and three different fillers. Not a member of the Officers Club? Get these premium cigars shipped directly to you every month by signing up today at CigarDave.com. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar-making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. 
To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show. If you'd like to join the alpha male conversational maneuvers, call me during the live show, Saturdays, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Time at 877-DAVE-007. That's Saturdays, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Time at 877-328-3007. Alpha males travel in style, whether by land, sea, or the air. From the Sun and Fun International Expo in Lakeland, Florida, your aviator-in-chief, Cigar Dave. And this is the General and the Captain, and I have turned off the no-pleasure sign. You may now enjoy alpha male pleasure to the max. And somebody that does, not only is a fellow aviation enthusiast, uh, aviator, but also a cigar connoisseur, Mark Baker, the chief executive officer of AOPA, the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. Uh, and Mark, first of all, thank you once again for your kind hospitality, allowing us to broadcast front and center from the AOPA Pavilion. Well, thanks, Dave. Thanks for being here and enjoying the great day in Florida sunshine. It is great. And I always say, how bad is life when you're around great uh, airplanes the uh, people who enjoy aviation, sun, nice little breeze, and fellow cigar connoisseurs. Yeah, it's not right. that bad. <laughs> no, it's about as good as it gets. <laughs> exactly. Mark, as always, uh, you know, the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association, looking out for people who are aircraft owners, who are pilots, who are student pilots, trying to encourage aviation. Give us a little bit of history of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. Well, it's a great history. Um, first off, it's uh, 77 years old uh, this May. Uh, this organization started in 1939 when uh, there's lots of uh, talk in Washington, D.C. about, you know, controlling the airspace, limiting the airspace for general aviation. There's only 10,000 airplanes at that time in private hands. And beginning of World War II, and there was a lot of movement. So there was no representation uh, in Congress, which was really important, to advocate for the freedom to fly. And uh, this organization was formed by five guys sitting around a table in Philadelphia, Wingsfield. Probably having six smoking cigars, too, by the way. I guarantee you they were. <laughs> guarantee you they were. Might have been a little scotch. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> anyway, they, uh, they founded it, and uh, it is now the world's largest general aviation uh, organization by far. Uh, and I'm only the fifth president in those 77 years. So it's been a long uh, role and a stewardship role to protect our freedom to fly. I first joined the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association when I was um, just out of college. So that was about 1986, 87. And I'm trying to remember who the president was at that time, or the CEO, but he was there for a long, long time. Phil Boyer. 
It was before Phil Boyer. Oh, John Baker. John Baker. No John, relation. No relation. John <laughs> Baker for years and years, and then Phil did a great job yep. for many years, and he was a fellow broadcaster yep. like me and also an aviation enthusiast. Owned right. a 172 and uh, would fly, and I think that's the unique thing about the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. You have people that have everything from a uh, light sport plane, a Cessna 172, all the way up to big jets. Uh, everybody shares that common bond. If it's got wings on it, uh, chances are that you represent them. Very, very likely. If, if you own an airplane or fly, you're very likely to be one of our members already. And we'd like to invite more people to be our members. It's, it's fun, whether you're an enthusiast or have always said one of these days, maybe is today. Time to get going. Yeah, let's talk about that because I remember I always had a passion for aviation, loved aviation from the time I was a little kid. My father would take me to the airport to watch the airplanes take off and land. But I remember I was, I mean, I was hell-bent on getting my pilot's license and I would subscribe get flying magazine get every single thing of aviation i could in front of me but how is it today how do what's the best way for people to to go flying today how do people learn to fly well it's really a, it's a changed time it's a, like you i grew up you know going to the airport on my bicycle and there were no fences before 9 11 yep we took a huge setback in general aviation and i'm not sure we got any additional security for it by no the way. Uh, by adding uh, all these fences and gates that say no trespassing pilots only that's so wrong the airport should say welcome come on right. out here and, you know, learn to fly days used to be everything from penny-a-pound rides, which I grew up as a kid in the 60s, uh, getting those penny-a-pound rides. People still offer those. I mean, people can come out to the airport, find out what's going on at the flight school. I mean, there's these great FBOs with flight schools. Flying clubs is another great way to get into flying and sustain flying at very low cost. So, you know, we have a directory on our website that tells you there's 640 flying clubs on the website. Go ahead. Call them up, the local guy. Get a tour of what's going on with their airplanes and get, find out what's going on. So if I would like to learn to fly, can I uh, not only go on the website, can I call the AOPA and say, how do, I, how do I fly so that eventually I can become a member? Help me. Yes, that's right. You know, if I think the first thing you do is you know, join up as a member because you get all this stuff for free. Uh, call up the pilot. what, 39 bucks to join? Or it's 59 $59. $59. $59. And, and with that, you also get a subscription to AOPA Pilot Magazine. There's all sorts. Tell us the benefits. Yeah, so exactly. For 59 bucks, you get a magazine that's a uh, newsstand price is over $7. So that's 85 bucks right there by itself. Plus, you have access to the PIC, which is Pilot Information Center. You're buying an airplane, selling an airplane, trying to find out where the closest flight school is, trying to find out where to go get your medical checked from your doctor. All that stuff is free available for being a member. And the website itself, you can go on there even without being a member and f do your flight planning online for nothing. Really cool. And we have an AOPA Live every week. comes on about broadcast uh, that. We have right. AOPA e-briefs every week and a great magazine. And probably most importantly, you help us represent the freedom to fly in front of Congress and the state legislatures. And you don't realize it, but uh, many people don't realize it, but for the last number of years, the... When you look at the government, they have, uh, with NextGen, meaning the next generation of air traffic control and and uh, and, air, and and just aviation in general, you got some airlines that want to really uh, kind of nail the private pilot, the guy that flies this 172, or even uh, business uh, aircraft owners. When we have had a system where it's seamless, you basically, when you put a gallon of jet fuel or av gas, aviation gas, into your airplane... I don't even know how many cents the tax is, but I never have to fill out a form at the end of the year. All I know is the more that I fly, the more that I put fuel in, the more I pay towards the system, and I can file a flight plan, I can get a weather briefing, and it I don't have to file any reports. It's not like the IRS every year. It works. <laughs> it's a very efficient system. You know, it's called twenty cents a gallon is in your aviation fuel tax. Depends if it's jet fuel or avgas. But it gets collected before you spend it. 
because they paid at the refiner level. They probably have, I don't know, one or two people in the whole world collecting this tax. No bureaucracy involved. And for every administration to come out and say, you know, those fat cats driving that $15,000 old Aranka, you know what I'm saying? Right. The, they should be paying a user fee. And, you know, because of this organization, it has been beaten down every time it comes up. This organization is over 350,000 people strong and members. When we go to say we got a PAC, we got voters, and we tell Congress it's a lousy way to go, we've won every time and we will continue to beat that down. Well, we have a lot of friends in Congress, both not only on the aviation side but on the cigar side as well, and we're both fighting similar things because the cigar industry is under attack, the aviation industry. It just seems that the government feels and the bureaucrats that the citizens, the tax-paying citizens, are the enemies in this country. <laughs> really, <laughs> well, it's, it's, it feels it's, that it's, way. It's, it's, it certainly does. When you think about the FAA budget, you know, 1980, the FAA budget was $3.9 billion. Today, $16 billion, and there's 20% less flights than there was in 1980. Wait, wait we went from $3.9 to $16 billion? How? <laughs> That's a great question. How? <laughs> Every year. And they say we don't have enough money for aviation. We don't have enough money to rebuild the system. And the amazing thing is, chances are if the private sector got involved only from the perspective where the FAA said, great, we'll contract this to a company and you guys do it and we'll stay out of your way, you'd probably have it done already. Well, listen, they did that, if you remember, way back when the flight services were done in-house at the FAA. And it was about a $500 million deal 25 years ago that the U.S. government was spending on flight service, FSS. And today, uh, the contract is out to Lockheed and is about $80 million a year. And the, the service you get is Better. very good. Yeah. I, I do miss going in every so often into the flight <laughs> service station in the old days where you could sit and talk aviation, <laughs> talk weather. Right. But nonetheless, now with um, – think about how it, uh, aviation has changed just like everything. When I started to fly, and I guarantee, Mark, when you started to fly, we didn't have GPS. No. We didn't have iPads in the cockpit. We didn't have these beautiful TV screens in front of us that, that showed us terrain and showed us where we're going. We had these analog in instrument gauges, and that was pretty much it. Yep. Uh, and we all got from point A to point B. Okay. Yeah, but we did follow IFR. It was going follow the road back then. Right. I, I, fly, <laughs> right. I, fo I follow the road. That's yeah. exactly right. right. And, and, uh, and what's amazing is that the way that some of these proposals are coming out, pushed by the airlines, with the exception of Delta Airlines, I want to point that out, is that they would go to a system like they have in Canada where they have a semi-private company called Nav Canada, and every time you go to file a flight plan, every time you get a briefing, you get a fee. You're charged. And when you look at how they charge people, it's so convoluted, it takes uh, an MBA to figure out or, or a Ph.D. to figure out how much you're going to get charged to go 100 miles. That's right. Yeah, it's, I fly to Canada go fishing every once in a while, and, and you'll get a a bill for $12 Canadian, the next time it'll be $38 Canadian, you have to go get a money order and send it back to them. It's, it's, a, it's a nutty system. We have a very efficient system here in the U.S. with the fuel tax. We don't need to have this incremental bureaucracy. Mark, what's the biggest, uh, aside from, from government, what's the biggest challenge that the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association faces? Is it bringing in new young pilots? It sure is. You know, uh, we're working really hard to get this third-class medical change. And I think now, tell us what, what a medical is, because we have many of our, okay. of our alphas and, and lieutenants listening may not even know what a medical is or a third, first or second class. Right. There's a third-class medical, which uh, basically was instituted in 1928, because the uh, government said that no pilot over age 40 should be flying by themselves. This was the government said that. Uh, so they started this medical review back then. Wait, I got a better one. How about nobody over 40 should be allowed to be a senator or a congressman? How's that? Yeah. How about we ended at that? So I start there. <laughs> so this antiquated system went into place for a first class, which is the airline pilots they have to take every six months, second class for basically every two years for a commercial pilot that's flying, charters, whatever. 
And then there's a third class medical, which basically you mean you go to your doctor, but it has to be an aerospace medical doctor, AME. And they give you this whole briefing like you're joining the Army. You know, you have to have all this stuff in place. And it scares people to death to do this thing. And, and it's no, we can't prove any safety issue. Because the doctors can't predict incapacitation. They can't. Right. They never have been able to. So they send these people off to all these doctors and specialists. And it costs, you know, we think we're going to save $10 million a year just for the pilots every year. They don't have to do this third-class medical. You don't have to do that to drive your motorhome, drive your boat, right? This That's correct. Fun. Or your car. <laughs> yeah, or your car. So we think it's a... The recreation is over-regulated, and we can get this burdensome stuff gone. We have 100% of the Senate that's voted to move on with this thing right now. And where does it say? So 100% of the Senate, where yep. does it go now? It's in the House and hopefully be voted on the next 60 days. Next 60 days, and then it goes to the FAA to? Nope. It goes to the president be signed, and we did it in the bill. It requires the FAA to either get it done in a year or they can't enforce it. That's in the bill. Really? Yes. Interesting. Now, let me ask, how many pilots, first of all, how many members does the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association? 350,000, you know, we run the world here, most of them in the U.S., of course. Uh, it's the biggest organization by far. It's a, about 75% of all the pilot population belongs. 75%. Yep. And, and that includes airline pilots oh, yeah. and military pilots, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. because many of them, they like to get into their little Cessna <laughs> or their Piper or their Cirrus on yeah. weekends and, and fly around. Yeah. And and uh, it's amazing when you take an airline pilot, uh, two very good friends of mine, airline pilots, high seniority, one retired as the number two seniority captain at U.S. Airways on the nice. E330. And, and he learned to fly. Here's a great story for you. Grew up in Miami Beach. He learned to fly at Miami Opelika in a Cessna 150. Learned there, and then the, I took him in my plane. We went down for lunch one day, and he said, General, this is the first time I've been back at Miami Opelika. See that building right there? Yeah. That's where I took my flight uh, lessons <laughs> way back. And he was hired on in his uh, early 20s. At, uh, it was Allegheny at the time. Right seat of a DC-3. That's All cool. the way to an A330. But when he got in my airplane, he just said, man, this is great. This is What a different perspective. He said, you know, I, I did it as a profession, but this is so enjoyable to be able to go to a place and have lunch, get back in and go back. It's just, it's a really, it's, a, it's, it's freedom really at its finest. Aviation changes most people's lives. The people that get it, the chance to go fly, and everybody can basically afford to do this and can do this. That's what we talk about. You can fly. We want to show you how you can get involved with this thing, stay in the game through a flying club or partnerships or whatever it takes, finance or insure the aircraft, making sure that you can do it safely is what we're all about. And it's really fun to see the eyes wide open of young people, or sometimes we call them the gray eagles, that get in the airplane and have been away from for a long time or maybe always one of these days kind of deals. I love, there was a story about, I think, a man or a woman who's been flying there like 90, 95 and uh, been flying for, you know, 60 years, which is a great story. And I think it also keeps you young, keeps you sharp, because you got to be doing a lot of thinking. No question about it. The cognitive skills. I had a good doctor that talked to me about that. He said, you know, by flying, you know, he learned, he checks his cognitive skills. He keeps him sharp. And he was a 75-year-old doctor. And he's, he was amazed at how much sharper he is in a lot of stuff, because you're always reading, you're trying to learn. But then you're interpreting all these dials and keeping the gray matter moving all the time. Mark Baker, the CEO of the Aircraft Owners and Pots Association, is our guest. Lieutenants, we will be right back front and center from the 2006 Sun and Fun International Fly and Expo. We'll uh, wrap up our conversation with Mark as we come to you from the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Pavilion in gorgeous, sunny, 75-degree Lakeland, Florida. Check out the all-new CigarDave.com. Get info on the cigars and libations the general enjoys during the show. Get recipes from the pooch pit and drink cocktails, too. You can listen to the show on our 24-7 stream or download the latest podcast to listen to anytime. Get it all at CigarDave.com.
Hi. I know everybody's familiar with the 95-rated Decade, one of the finest cigars ever made and produced by Rocky Patel. Well, he outdid himself. I'm here to introduce a new Decade Cameroon. It's got a beautiful African Cameroon wrapper on it. And when you put this wrapper with the wonderful blend of the Decade Cigar, it just takes it to another level. You get that little sweetness on the back of your palate. You get the cedar, the hickory notes with a little bit of spice. You know what I want to do? I want to just sit in my backyard or on my patio or a bar stool and enjoy the cigar. You can take it all the way down. I tell you, Rocky, you outdid yourself on this one. And if you haven't tried it, it's going to be at your local retail store. Go get yourself one. You won't be disappointed because this cigar, man, does it smoke great. America is under attack. Basic freedoms, privileges, and acts that we would normally take for granted are disappearing each day, including the simple ability to enjoy a cigar. This is Glenn Loop, Executive Director of Cigar Rights of America, CRA. At a time when elected officials should be thinking about education, public safety, and creating jobs, they are actually thinking about smoking bans, new taxes, and regulations of historic proportions on premium cigars. The cigars that provide us with pleasure, relaxation, and fellowship are under attack. We have to stop it. That's why Cigar Rights of America was created, to work for a new political day for cigar enthusiasts across America, to roll back restrictive laws and defeat onerous taxes and regulations that impact everyone from your local cigar shop to your personal humidor. For the price of a few great cigars, be a part of this effort to protect your right to enjoy a cigar without excessive taxation and cumbersome legislation. Go to CigarRights.org. Let's tell the government we've had enough. Join now, CigarRights.org. Enjoy the latest and greatest cigars shipped directly to you. Join the Cigar Dave Officers Club now, and you'll receive three premium cigars every month. Membership is just $22.95, including shipping and handling. Join by going to CigarDave.com now. That's CigarDave.com. Click on Officers Club. Broadcasting from Cockpit 1A in the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association tent at Sun and Fun International Fly-In and Expo in Lakeland, Florida. Here's your five-star pilot, Cigar Dave. And I can tell you I love to be in the cockpit on the flight deck. There's nothing better. And Mark Baker, the CEO of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association, sometimes when the weather's bad or I haven't been in the plane, I just like to go in and sit in an airplane and just enjoy the view. I mean, just to me, it's just so pleasurable to be in an aircraft. And to this day, I still admire the beauty of a bird. You know, it's, it's just captured my mind the whole time. Whether you're a little kid laying on the hill looking up and watching the Beach-18s fly over the DC-3s in the old days, or just going sitting around and watching people fly by, or the smell of the have gas and the oil, it's infectious. And the, you've heard the old saying, if you teach your kids how to fly, they'll never have enough money for drugs. <laughs> they won't have enough money for anything <laughs> once they learn to fly. Uh, it's a very, it can be costly, but there are ways to mitigate. Yeah, we'll right. talk about that. Mark, one of my favorite quotes from Leonardo da Vinci. Once you have tasted flight, you will never forever walk the earth with your eyes turned skywards. For there you have been, and there you will long to return. That's right. And I have that quote uh, uh, that I have all the time, and it is so true because once you are in the air, really the saddest part of a flight to me 
And I love to land. I love just taking off, landing, the whole experience, because you do have to use all your skills. But when you land, it's like, I think I want to go back up. It's right. It's it's, it's, it's (laughs) like you, you love that you've gotten from point A to point B safely. It's a great accomplishment. But yet, it's over. That's right. You know, I've got more than 10,000 hours, and, and I, my favorite little airplane is my little yellow Super Cub from 1953. And it doesn't go fast. It goes about 90 miles an hour. That's and, it. And I've flown that thing to Mexico, to the top of Hudson Bay, to the bottom of Florida, and I'm not in a hurry because I'm seeing the world. Right. It's a different perspective. Uh, and, you know, it's amazing because when a pilot like me, I want more and more speed. Yet the guys that are flying the jets... They're like, no, 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 this is good. This is nice. We like this. We can actually enjoy flying. And it all brings them back to when they learned to fly early on. That's right. And, and they lose that sometimes when it's a profession. When, you know, you do it for your livelihood, you don't get to really enjoy it. But when they come back to a Sun and Fun or an air show or one of your AOPA fly-ins, it really brings them back to why they got into aviation. That's so much right. You know, the, the joy of taking off and taking somebody with you and taking them to see something you can't see any other way you got to see it from the sky. And, you know, whether it's a sunset or a sunrise or just a beautiful cloud on the horizon, it's simply the greatest freedom that we have here in this country, and it's uniquely a U.S. thing, really. You're right, because internationally, it is Europe is impossible to fly, very expensive, and we're very fortunate. We have a huge country here, and I think that's one of the things that is so great. We have the most vibrant aviation industry and group of pilots in the world, and they all envy us. That's right. We've got you know 5,000 public-use airports and about 12,000 private airports of some type or another around this country, and that doesn't even begin to count the lakes that you can land on if you have a float plane. I'm always on in the quest to find uh, you know the great uh, next barbecue joint or burger place, and you go into some of these little towns... And uh, it's amazing what you'll find uh, when you go in. You know, you do a little digging ahead of time, and they'll give you a courtesy car at the uh, at the rural airport. You go in, have your lunch, and then you go back home and have a nice day. Well, I, I wrote an article in the last magazine about stopping in the bottom of Missouri at Sexton, Missouri, and they had this thing called Throat Rolls. I don't know if you've ever heard of this no. restaurant. you got to go there sometime. First off, they pick you up at the airport in a courtesy old van. You come to this restaurant. It's huge, but there's hundreds of people all the time. But they take the pilots to the front of the line, and we'll let you have a private table there. And then they start throwing rolls that are hot bread across the room at you, and you stand up and you catch them. It is awesome. Well, pilots should be at the front of the line <laughs> because we are decisive and, and we, we are amongst. I'm not proud. Listen, I, I'm not ashamed to say we are proud to be pilots because when you think about it, as, as one of the instructors I had told me, he said, think about this. You get into a machine. You you captain that machine. You get in the air. You take it from point A to point B. You successfully land that safely. He said, that's an accomplishment that not everybody, think about how many people we have, what, 200 and maybe 300 million people in this country? And we have, what, 350,000 pilots in this country? About 500,000 total pilots. We're a special breed. <laughs> we, I am proud to say that we are a special breed. Very quickly, tell us the process to get to become a licensed pilot. Quickly, uh, you, you, you want to go get and meet your FBO and talk to the... the FBO uh, is a fixed base fixed operator, a little private terminal. Yep, and they'll guide you to where you're going to get your flight tr- lessons from. Get online, you get all this information right now. It's quick and easy. You got to do a little bit of a written work, uh, paperwork, and you know, start the ground school, and then start flying. It's not that hard. It's easy. And the cool thing is, with online now, you can take the course online. That's you right. don't have to sit there over That's weeks. Right. You know, three hours over eight weeks, ten weeks. It's a lot of it's online. There's so much information. And if you go to aopa.org, That's right. aopa.org. That's Let's where there's tons of information, and and it's all it, free. it got it free gets you in. And I'm telling you, uh, lieutenants and fellow alphas, if you even if you're not a pilot but you love aviation, it's worth joining because the benefits you get from the website, 
to the magazines, to all the other information is really uh, outstanding. And, Mark, I want to thank you and uh, your director of uh, media relations and public relations, Joe Kildea, for the hospitality you extended to us again this year. We really greatly appreciate it, and it's a delight to have you on. And uh, anything going on in the world of aviation, you can always let us know, and we'll, we'll spread the word for you. We appreciate it. Well, thanks, Dave. You guys do a great job of getting the message out, and we invite every one of your listeners to go out and fly. You got it. And next time you come down to the Cigar City, you got to fly with me. I'm going to do it. Go, my Cirrus. We'll have a great time. I know some good places to go for a uh, lunch and that's cigar-friendly. So we'll kill two birds with one stone. Lieutenants, hour number one of this special edition of the Cigar Dave Show from the 2016 Sun and Fun International Fly and Expo, Lakeland, Florida is now in the annals of history, but we've got another great hour coming your way. Next hour, we'll be joined by uh, Alan Klapmeyer, an a, a aviation entrepreneur. We'll have John Leitz-Leanhouts, the CEO of Sun and Fun, and our good friend Mark Blanton from the Humidor Store, and also an airline owner will join us as well. Lieutenants, we are right on the flight line where it is a convergence of alphas and aviation enthusiasts. Hour number two of the Cigar Dave Show is next. This is CCRN, the Cigar Connoisseur Radio Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida, USA. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General Cigar Dave. I am surrounded by thousands of aircraft. There are thousands and thousands, probably about attending today, 20,000 aviation enthusiasts that are on the grounds of the Lakeland Linder Airport. I'm enjoying my Davidoff Nicaragua box press. And I've got a gigantic cup of cool, refreshing, fresh-squeezed lemonade. A libation to enjoy does not have to be of the alcoholic variety. And the weather is magnificent today here in Central Florida as we have moved Command Center Alpha from Humidor 1A to the flight line of the 2016 Sun and Fun International Fly and Expo, Lakeland, Florida. We've got a great hour talking aviation, talking alpha male good life maneuvers, and as always, lieutenants, we say long live the Alphas. We are a dying breed. There is absolutely no question about it. Now, I've got two aviation-related stories that I would like to share with you, and both demonstrate the lack of Alpha decision-making in these two instances in the cockpit, on the flight deck, in the flight deck. My good friend, Captain Cy Emerus, and I have spoken about this quite often. When you are going to be an aviator, I don't care what your job is. I don't care whether you are an attorney, you're a physician, you're a banker, you are a broadcaster, you're a pilot, you are a uh, construction manager. Whatever your job is, the one thing that is required is to be successful is decisiveness, is boldness. In fact, one of my favorite quotes is from William Shakespeare, boldness, be my friend. You have to be Decisive. You have to make decisions. And we have seen over the last 40 years 
as wussified betas have been nurtured by mothers or families who, let's say, a father that is not an alpha, they have turned out youngsters that are wussified betas. And part of being a wussified beta is you cannot make a decision. You don't have the self-confidence to be decisive. Now, when you are in aviation, as I am, as a pilot, the one thing I always tell people is it's all, most of flying is about decision-making, is about taking charge, taking control. And that means even on the ground, if the weather is bad, if there's something that doesn't look right, be decisive and say, we are not taking to the air today. It's all about being decisive. And we have seen a lack of decisiveness amongst men in this country over the last 40 years. Captain Cy Emerson and I, good friends. Captain Cy retired as the number two seniority captain at U.S. Airways, got to be, I think, about eight years ago or so. And he's been a great mentor to me in flying, and uh, I always say Captain Cy is like a brother to me. He really is. And the one thing that he always talks about is when we were in the, in the, uh, in the cockpit together on the flight deck flying or in the flight simulator, He'd say, General, you've got to make decisions. You always have to be decisive. If something happens, you've got to be decisive. You can't be wishy-washy. You can't be on the fence. And I've got two examples. And he said, I have seen more and more first officers and other pilots coming up that are wussified betas. They cannot make decisions. An American Airlines flight, actually, it was operated by Republic Airlines. So an American Airlines commuter, and Embraer, I believe it was a 170, going from Raleigh-Durham to LaGuardia. This is a few weeks ago. While on approach into LaGuardia, there were, there were some uh, thunderstorms. There was some bad weather. And uh, while they were navigating towards the airport, there was a flash of light, and the plane was struck by lightning. And, of course, passengers freaked out. There was a... Uh, uh, Certainly, it was not a good situation, but it could have been avoided. Now, the 70C jet, the call sign was Brickyard 4233. That is Republic Airlines' uh, call sign. The flight path, as they were vectored by air traffic control, took them right into the center of a thunderstorm or into an active thunderstorm, a convective cell. Now, here's the transcript. Here's exactly what the pilot said. Uh, Brickyard 4233. We need to take a new heading. We've got a pretty big buildup in front of us. That's what the pilot said. Now, air traffic control responded saying, Brickyard 4233, maintain 5,000, meaning 5,000 feet, 210 knots. I'm going to give you a right turn real quick. Now, he didn't say, the air traffic control didn't say, you can turn right now. He said, I'm going to give you one real quickly. The pilot replied by saying, we got to do it now. We got to turn to at least a 120 heading. Well, moments later, boom, out of nowhere, bad turbulence, struck by lightning. Now, what's the moral of the story here? The captain here was not alpha. Because, first of all, he saw on his radar, way ahead of coming, approaching that cell, it paints big red blobs right on your radar. You know you're, going, you're heading right for it. He should have immediately said, uh, uh, LaGuardia or whatever, LaGuardia approach or, or, or a New York approach, Brickyard 4233, I need an immediate right turn for weather without delay. And if the air traffic controller said, well, you're going to have to wait, he should have said that I'm going to declare an emergency. I need the turn now. Because if you continue on that heading, guess what? He had an emergency. So 
instead of replying immediately numerous miles ahead of time where he had you know, more than just about 10 seconds to make that decision, what did he do? He let air traffic control dictate to him what he was going to do. And what happened? He went right into a convective thunderstorm activity. Big mistake. Now, if it's me and I see I'm going in there, first of all, already 10 miles ahead, I'm saying I need a, uh, to circumnavigate this, this, uh, uh, this buildup. And if air traffic control says uh, unable, you'll have to wait or go through it, the answer is I'm declaring an emergency. Because the worst thing is, one of my flight instructors told me, the worst thing that ever happens to an air traffic controller, and by and large, they're great. And I've dealt with them all across the country. 99.9% are fabulous to work with. But every so often, you get an occasional one that's not so great. That's just human nature. So what you say is, I'm taking that right turn. Because the worst thing that happens to that air traffic controller, he spills his coffee. The worst thing that happens to you as an aviator, as a pilot, you end up in the ground. So out of that particular situation, what that demonstrated to me is that captain was not alpha, was not decisive. And that is disturbing because we are seeing more and more of this across the country in people and professions where they have to be decisive. But because they are wussified betas, they cannot make a decision if their life depended on it. I can tell you this, lieutenants, this alpha when I fly or when I'm conducting broadcast maneuvers, I am decisive, I am alpha, there is no ifs, ands, or buts. Lieutenants, when we come back, we will be joined by broadcast, or I was going to say broadcast operator, actually aviation entrepreneur Alan Klapmeyer. Great story as we continue from the 2016 Sun and Fun International Flying Expo from the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association Pavilion, Lakeland, Florida. You, you need to add some alpha to your Facebook news feed. By following The General, you'll get the latest intel in the world of cigars. Info on the show each week and see what The General is smoking. Click like at Facebook.com slash Cigar Dave. In the fertile fields of the Connecticut River Valley, there is still one cigar brand who grows their own Connecticut shade wrappers. Monte Cristo. Prized for its unique silky texture, this exquisite tobacco has now been used to craft a cigar worthy of its name, the Monte Cristo White Vintage Connecticut. Building on the legacy of the beloved Monte Cristo White series, this excellent medium to full-bodied cigar is rich, flavorful, and complex. Crafted with only the finest vintage 2008 wrapper leaves, the Monte Cristo White Vintage Connecticut cigar has subtle notes of spices, vanilla, and hazelnuts. Packaged in a gorgeous handcrafted box, these exceptional cigars are available now at your local tobacconist. Pick up a Monte Cristo White Vintage today and experience the spirit of the valley. Surgeon General Warning. Cigar smoking can cause cancers of the mouth and throat, even if you do not inhale. The brand new Cigar Dave mobile app for both iPhone and Android devices, is finally out. If you go right now, either to the iTunes Store or the Google Play Store, search for Cigar Dave and download our brand-new app. It allows you to listen to the show live on your mobile device. You can listen to all of our podcasts. The last 10 podcasts are always available. Cigar Dave Daily Briefings. 
Additionally, it gives you direct access within the app to our Twitter page, our Facebook page. We also have the ability for you to call the show during the show right from the app, as well as send me a text message and an email. We also put in a couple of bonus items. You can get a weather uh, uh, alert as well as an alarm clock. It is the brand-new Cigar Dave mobile app. You can listen to the Cigar Dave show anytime, any place, anywhere. Go right now to the iTunes Store or Google Play Store and download the brand-new Cigar Dave mobile app. Hi, this is Rocky Patel. I'm here with my brother Nish and my cousin Nimish, and we're talking cigars. Guess what? They want me to vote on what my favorite cigar is. It's tough, but I'm going to go with the Decade. I love it. It's rich, decadent, and smooth. Rocky, you know what? The Decade's a great cigar, but the 15th anniversary, that's the cigar. That celebrated your 15 years in business, and I got to tell you, it's my favorite. You know what, Nish and Rocky, you both are wrong. The best cigar is Freedom by Rocky Patel. This cigar delivers a lot of spice, a lot of flavor, and in my opinion, it's the best cigar we make. As usual, we can't agree. But guess what? There's a great cigar for everyone. I promise you, nobody works harder than we do to make you a great quality cigar. Come visit us at RockyPatel.com. Surgeon General Warning. Cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. Broadcasting from the annual Sun and Fun International Fly-In and Expo in Lakeland, Florida, it's America's Alpha Aviator, Cigar Dave. Well, that's a title I will proudly wear and very happy to do so, and it is my pleasure to welcome to the Cigar Dave Show broadcast plaza here at the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association uh, Pavilion at the Sun and Fun Expo, one of the most renowned Aviation entrepreneurs, uh, probably in the last uh, 20 years without any question. Alan Klapmeyer, he is the CEO of One Aviation and one of the co founders of Cirrus Aircraft, formerly known as Cirrus uh, Design. And uh, Alan, great to have you on the Cigar Dave Show. I've known you, geez, got to be about 10 years now, and uh, going back to your Cirrus days. But you have had an incredible career as an entrepreneur. But talk about, first of all, your love of flying. As you grew up, I think, what, in Minnesota, yeah. Wisconsin? Yeah, well, uh, the Midwest. First of all, thanks very much for having me here. It's a great day at, at Sun and Fun. Uh, storms went through, and we got a nice cool breeze, bright yep. sunshine, snow at home. <laughs> <laughs> Not where <laughs> which, I live, in the Cigar which, City of which Tampa. Which I like, snow at home. <laughs> um, yeah, I've always... Uh, I've been in love with airplanes all my life, so I I tell people I don't remember a time when I wasn't in love with airplanes and little airplanes, general aviation airplanes, warbirds, you know, everything. So with that as a, an early passion, in high school I told people I wanted to start an airplane company, and everybody thought I was nuts, and I thought, well, no, that's, that's okay. It'll all work out. I've really enjoyed thinking about airplanes. How do we make better airplanes? How do we make the system work? How do we get more out of life, get an airplane. You know, it's just been a lot of fun. Now, you actually, uh, in your flying career, you experienced uh, something which would have a dramatic effect on product development down the road, uh, the creation of a ballistic parachute system for a single-engine aircraft. Talk about that experience and uh, how that evolved into the uh, probably one of the most groundbreaking items uh, to ever be installed in an aircraft uh, in general aviation. Yeah, let me 
back up to a step before that to say that just from my point of view, it is it, it's it's how close you are to experiences that that do allow entrepreneurs to do the things they do. I don't believe that you sit back and look at the universe and say, I think I'm going to invent a, a product, come up with a business plan. Instead, it's the, the things you do, the life you live, and, and how it affects your perspective. And that's changed you know, completely how we look at airplanes, whether it's being user-friendly or performance or, or, or whatever. In this case, yeah, I had a mid-air collision in the uh, mid-1980s, and unfortunately the person in the other airplane, a guy I knew, uh, died in the collision. We didn't invent the the aircraft parachute or, or the ballistic recovery system to it. The current credit goes to Boris Popoff and, and BRS. And it's actually something been tried a number of times back into the, uh, I've got some pictures of a Stinson with no wings on it coming out of a, down on a parachute in the 1940s. It was done in the 1930s. So it's, a, it's an old concept. But it took BRS to make it practical. And then I do think it took Cirrus and, and the experience that I had to, to recognize the value. So when PRS first presented us with the idea, um, give, given the mid-air collision that I had, uh, we said yes so fast they were surprised because everybody else in the industry they'd talked to had sort of poo-pooed the idea. It didn't really make sense. It wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't make a difference. But, but we could see immediately the value and how it would change the industry. And the cool part about it is it has. It's saved a lot of lives. It's changed the way people think about safety. I believe it's been deployed somewhere around 40 50 times, and, and I'll get the exact facts that we'll post at CigarDave.com, but I think it's saved over 100 and some odd lives. You know, the most, I think the most uh, recognizable incident was uh, when a, a pilot was ferrying a plane from Southern California to Hawaii and had a en catastrophic engine failure, and the Coast Guard was there. They, they actually filmed the entire sequence, pulled the parachute, the plane gently settled on the waves, a ship picked them up, that was the end of that. Yeah, wasn't that amazing? I love happy endings. And, and that is a happy ending, no so, question. So, so whether you think about it the way we should, which is it's a happy ending because the, the guy's alive, or in its most crass commercial way, he's still around to be a customer. That's <laughs> yeah. exactly right. You're exactly right. We'll talk about, you know, at the time when you, and you've been, a, like I said, an entrepreneur uh, in, in aviation, and it's not been an easy Aviation's very difficult. It's always been difficult. It's very capital intensive. Takes a long time to get a plane certified. But you did something revolutionary because there had not been a new single-engine general aviation aircraft designed or made, I think probably, what, about 20, 25 years prior to when you launched Cirrus? Yeah, it depends on how you define it. Um, the, the, most, the airplane that comes closest to being a new airplane that was successful was the Piper Malibu, now the Piper Meridian, in the early 1980s. But yeah, in terms of traditional airplanes, most of the designs come from the 1940s and the 1950s. The Cessna 172, obviously a, a great airplane, very popular, uh, grew out of the Cessna 170, 1948. They put the, the wing on it in 1949, the flaps on it in 1950, and after that, didn't change much for the right. next, I don't know, thousand years. That's about right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great airplane, but it's not the same as sufficient to draw in new customers. No, I tell you what, as I'm a, I'm a pilot, I remember I, uh, when I used to fly a Cessna 172, I used to take friends for a ride, and they look and say, we're going in that? Yeah. When I take them for a ride in a Cirrus, they look and say, great, when can we go again? Yep. And it really, you, you, you brought an automotive perspective because we're all used to driving in nice cars with leather seats. And you brought a lot of those amenities, which the aviation industry had never really uh, done before. But well, I, I like to think of it as, as uh, a business perspective that says, what does it take to satisfy the customer? 
I love airplanes. I love old airplanes. I'm, I'm very comfortable flying around in what other people would say, that's an old beat-up airplane. But as a business person, you can't look at that and say, well, gee, am I going to try and convince new customers to do that? So instead, you have to think about comfort, ease of operation, aesthetics, all the things that matter and cause people to say, I ought to go do this. Because almost everybody, and I'll agree it's not everybody, almost everybody would benefit from being involved in aviation. Either because it's fun or you got some place to go or it's challenging, stimulating, all those kinds of things. It's just fantastic. But as an industry, we scare people away and we say, you're not good enough or this is as good as it gets or if, if it's hard and you think it's not safe, that's just tough. No, we have, it's our job to do a better job. Well, there's always a fascination with flight, and I was saying the story earlier today on the show. My father, grew up in Buffalo, used to take me to the Buffalo International Airport in his convertible when I was two, three years old, four years old, and I'd watch the planes take off and land and, and just had this incredible fascination with flight and read books, and I remember saying to my mother when I was 16, she goes, what do you want for your 16th birthday? I said, I want to get my, flying, my pilot's license. I want flying lessons. She said, what's next on your list? <laughs> now, when I went to college, I got my license. But even to this day, and I'm sure it's the same with you, Alan, when I sit on the end of the runway getting ready for takeoff and I see planes landing and taking off ahead of me, I'm still fascinated to this day, and I know why airplanes fly. Yep, me too. I just love it. And, I, and, and you know, you'll be having a conversation outside, an airplane flies over, you stop the conversation and watch it go by. Absolutely. And yeah. there's, a, there's something magical. And you think here, 300,000 people this week will attend the Sun and Fun Air Expo. Not everybody's pilots, but they're all fascinated with flight. We, we really need air shows like this and Sun and Fun and Oshkosh and places like that. We need to do a, a, a much better job of, I was going to say promoting, but that's probably not the right word, of showing people, educating people why aviation is so wonderful and do it all around the world. Alan, you've now uh, moved to another company called One Aviation, and there are two airplanes, one that has already been produced called the Eclipse. It's got a lot of press, a, uh, a, a twin-engine small jet, and now another airplane you're designing called the Kestrel, which is a single-engine turboprop. Tell us about that transition. That's yep. certainly uh, unique. So it's, it's been fun. Uh, the, the simple way to describe One Aviation is we're now working on building the better business instead of just the better airplane. So it's how do we put together the right products, the right business, the right... Uh, procedures and synergies and integration so that we can help grow aviation and obviously do it in a way that's good for customers and good for the company. The Eclipse really blows my mind. I've really been impressed with it. I've been more, I've been surprised how impressed I've been now that I get to fly it. It does change the world. It shrinks time and distance and lets you get all kinds of things done. It's sort of a sports sedan airplane. The Kestrel is more of a big SUV. It'll go in and out of shorter grass runways, carry big loads, go long distances. And so I'm looking forward to that as the alternative airplane. It's composite and will have some other features. And then there are other airplanes that we'll be looking at as well. Because, again, if you think about not just our love of aviation, but starting with our love of avi aviation and what that takes, what it takes to get other people to see that value, it, there's no one right product. You know, I, I love the idea of a Super Cub. I love the idea of an amphibian. I love the idea of a jet and a high-wing 182 going in and out of short runways. There's, you know, there's All it requires, and I'm sure you'll agree, the yeah. biggest challenge in aviation or probably any business, capital. It, it, capital, in this case, is absolutely the biggest problem. 
because capital do, the, the, the control of the capital doesn't understand our industry. They don't understand the value and the profit and why it's a good business investment. So and we've got, we got to wrap it there, but I, we're going to post uh, your bio at CigarDave.com. Alan Klapmeyer, co-founder of Cirrus Aircraft and now the CEO of One Aviation, maker of the Eclipse and Kestrel. Great having you on, lieutenants. We'll continue thank, around the corner. Thanks for being here. Great to be at Sun and Fun. The Cigar Dave Officers Club selection this month is an Indian Head Cigar Sampler, including the Indian Head Rough Rider Sweets. The Indian Head Rough Rider Sweets is a mild blend using a Connecticut Ecuador wrapper and Dominican fillers and binder. It has just the right hints of sweetness, making it one outstanding smoke. Not a member of the Officers Club? Get these premium cigars shipped directly to you every month by signing up today at CigarDave.com. This is Rocky Patel. On a daily basis, our personal rights, freedoms, and privileges are being taken away by the government, by the people who don't want us to enjoy the fine things in life. Cigars. Guess what? Socialism stinks. Cigars don't. So in order to celebrate life, we decided to release the freedom. This great cigar from Nicaragua has tones of coffee, spice, pepper, with a great underlying sweetness. It's got a beautiful Ecuadorian wrapper, fillers from different parts of Nicaragua, and guess what? It's priced very fairly. So go out and celebrate the fine things in life and enjoy your freedom by lighting up a Rocky Patel freedom. I promise you, nobody works harder than we do to make you a great quality cigar. Come visit us at RockyPatel.com. Surgeon General warning, cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show. If you'd like to join the alpha male conversational maneuvers, call me during the live show, Saturdays, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Time at 877-DAVE-007. That's Saturdays, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Time at 877-328-3007. Please make sure your seatbelts are securely fastened as we take to the skies on the Cigar Dave Show from the Sun and Fun International Expo in Lakeland, Florida. It's America's Alpha Pilot, Cigar Dave. And I am proud to be an aviator. I am proud to conduct broadcast pleasure maneuvers from the 2016 Sun and Fun International Flying Expo, Lakeland Lindner Airport, Lakeland, Florida, Central Florida. Gorgeous day. About 75 degrees. The sun is, uh, well, it's coming through. It's partly cloudy skies, but a lot of blue and a nice little breeze. And it is my pleasure to welcome the chief executive officer of the Sun and Fun Flying Expo, John Leanhouts, better known as Lights, his military, your, was that your Navy military? That head. was the call sign back in the day, sir. Thank you, Dave. It's great to be here. What a gorgeous day on the Sun and Fun campus. And, of course, we always love your enthusiasm, especially uh, I think that you have brought to this Sun and Fun Flying, and not only the flying, but also all the other things that this 
this Fly-In Expo, the, the, the monies that are raised here, they go to educate uh, future aviators. Oh, do they ever? Did you know who we are now? Do you have any idea who we are? You're not going to believe this. You want to answer one question. Who, what entity, is the world's number one leading producer of teenage pilots on the planet today? Sun and fun. Yes, sir, we did. Just put 40, uh, our 47th pair of wings on a young uh, man on the way to 52 a month is the goal. We're not teasing. We're training. We're teaching. We're producing pilots. 52 a month? No. Uh, two uh, a month. Two a month. Two, two a month. month. Two, two a month. month. And the goal is to keep that up forever and maybe increase that to three. Along with, we're now certified by the FAA to produce A&P-ready high school mechanics. And that is uh, A&P stands for Airframe and Power Plant. Absolutely. Mechanics and, 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 uh, and we need mechanics to keep the airplanes going. Absolutely. Whether it's general aviation or, or jets or, or, uh, or commercial transports. And, and so this, as I started the show, I said that in 1974, a group of aviation enthusiasts, from the Lakeland chapter of the Experimental Aviation Association, uh, got together and decided that the next year they wanted to have a fly-in weekend. And it started in 1975. They had 2,000 people, about 365 airplanes. And it has grown dramatically. What are we, over 300,000 people this Absolutely. week? Absolutely, and it continues to grow every year. But you know what's interesting about that, Dave? This event, though it's as big as it is, is only one component of the Sun and Fun International Expo Center. We do events all year round now that bring in not only all hundreds of thousands of people, but it brings in airplanes as well. So we're doing dog shows, gun shows, car shows, b runs, boat shows, RV shows, and the fly-in public can fly right in, step out of your airplane, and walk right into the event. So that's bringing more aviation, more revenues, and more opportunity for young men and women to get into aviation. i got to remember that. Something to do. Fly over from the Cigar City of Tampa. It's an easy, it's Come about a 13-minute flight, if that. You could have flown over here a month ago and walked in and picked out from 450 classic cars on the auction block, picked the one you want, gone home with a 69 Camaro if you liked it, right there on the spot. Outstanding. And, you know, one of the things you have is actually a, um, like one of those model airplane um, I think you've got an exhibits or, or uh, demonstrations, like those little model, you know, the ones the remote controlled, the radio controlled. Right. And I've seen them here on the airport. I know that they fly off or one of the one ways. I don't know if, if you're involved with that or not. No, we're not. We don't fly those ourselves. But what we do have, though, that's really neat, we have the very first high school unmanned air vehicle club, UAV club, sanctioned by the FAA and the airport. We have a proving ground on the facility now. So the students can design their own UAV, go out and test it, right here in the airport where we are right next to the high school. So we're producing that next generation of unmanned air vehicle leaders. Well, the Sun and Fun, it all begins with the Sun and Fun because this is a very yeah. big fundraiser for you, obviously. This is our and biggest. This is a huge endeavor. You had a slogan a number of years ago called uh, Spring Break for Pilots. <laughs> and to me, it, it, it's great because everybody coming out here, aviation enthusiasts, the weather is great. You get to walk amongst airplanes. You get to see. You can get right up close to the flight line. You can actually touch those warbirds from World War II. There's not many places that you can do that today. And this is the second largest um, uh, aviation flying in the country. That is correct. Gosh, gosh, obviously our dear friends and partners sure. in this business hold the biggest one in the summertime. It's a giant fair up there, aviation ex expo as well. And the ones that we do down here is, uh, is a lead-in to it. We consider our, our, ourselves as the starting block for aviation summer. So they come here, buy all that really cool gear they need for their airplane, dust off the aircraft, get the tires aired up, and they go launch off and start their flying summer. you got a lot of people coming in from inter international destinations about around 80, the world. About 80 countries come here, what we recognize. Uh, we did an international party for them last night. 
and we probably had 60 to 70 countries represented, a, a crowd of around 4,000 people in our pavilion. What's the, uh, you've been, is this what, your third year now? This will What's, be my fifth year, my fifth fly Is it five already? I got my fifth year volunteer pin. Five years, wow. Now, great story because you were uh, you were retired. You were uh, in the Navy. <laughs> you were a military aviator, a Navy aviator. And tell us about the, the lights. You told us last year. It's a great story about your, your lights uh, nickname, your call sign. Well, you know, when you get in the service and, uh, and you're going to fly, you can't use, you can't say Dave or Bob or Larry. you got to have a nickname. And you'd like to think you could make it up just like in Top Gun. I'm going to be Viper. I'm going to be Eagle. Well, that doesn't work like that. You don't get to pick your call sign. Your call sign comes from either something stupid you have done or it's a, a spinoff of your last name. There's a, it's a, the last name being that of some famous person, and you get that, that, that person's first name. Well, my particular case, my last name is Leanout. So they said, well, that sounds like a, kind of like a lighthouse. Right. And, of course, I was a young, aggressive young junior officer, and I made a lot of mistakes, Dave. Oh, a lot of mistakes. H- hasn't something. every aviator done oh, it along the yes, way we've sir. learned from? Yes, sir. We, that's how we get to be better. That's exactly right. Yeah, the school of experience. So they said, you know what? The lights have got to be out in that house. So, <laughs> so I that, was lights out for a long time. Really what you should have said is because I would always, on uh, night landings on carrier decks, <laughs> I would always hit the lights exactly. That's, that's, you got to come up with something. you got to embellish it a little bit. That sounds like a good idea, but I don't think it's going to work. So you were in retirement. You were living up in the Jacksonville area, correct? You remember exactly right, Dave. And then uh, you get the call. Well, actually, I was working for Northrop Grumman. I'd I'd retired out of 27 and a half, 28 years from the Navy. Worked right on into a a really great job with Northrop Grumman managing the modification, repair, and upgrades of F-18s. I knew the airplane. I knew the people. I knew what what was supposed to happen. So they hired me. I worked there for 11 years. And then uh, a buddy of mine, believe it or not, actually sent out an email and said, get this to another friend. and said, get this to lights. This has got his name written all over it. The guy sent it to me. I called up the company down here and said, is the job still open? He says, well, we've actually closed out the, res- the resumes. And I said, oh, that's too bad. They said, but if you want to send it in, go ahead. So I just really quickly, literally in an afternoon, I just put together a quick resume, shot it to them electronically down here. I thought nothing of it. And then next thing I know, about three weeks later, I get a notification. Hey, it looks like uh, you made the top 30. Okay, great. That's fine. No big deal. Next thing you know, I get a phone call. We need you here on uh, next Wednesday, if you, or about two weeks, to come down for a uh, visit to do an interview. Your top ten. I said, Well, I'm going to be in North. I'm, I'm working for Northrop. I'm going to be in Los, An- or Los Angeles for the week. Oh, that's too bad. Well, we'll get back to you. So next thing I know, they call. Like, I thought it's over. Done. Finished. They call back and they go, Hey, how would you like to do Friday? Friday afternoon. I said, Well, I could do that. Heck, I'm going down to a birthday party in Tampa anyway. It'll be a good stopover. Perfect. Maybe I'll even get some VIP tickets. Who knows? There you go. <laughs> And I walked in, did the interview. I was number eight in line, and that was a Friday afternoon. We go out back to the uh, Terrace Hotel. I remember just like it was yesterday. My wife and I are having dinner. They'd actually, they had offered to pay for me to come stay, stay overnight. I said, no, 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 I'm not going to get the job. We'll, we'll get our own hotel. Well, they found me, and the guy calls and says, the job's yours. I said, what about the two other guys? He says, we're done. You're it. Okay. You're it. When you know, you know. Oh, my gosh, what are we doing? And that was it. Five that, years ago. That was it. I walked in on, uh, we actually told our family on Sunday afternoon, they cried big buckets. We've been in Jacksonville for 37 years. The family's like, no, you can't leave. Yeah, we're leaving. We really are. So I walked in on my boss, uh, who was a VP for Northrop at the time, and I walked into him on Monday morning and said, uh, okay, Marty, I need to close the door. This is not good. He goes, oh, no, what's happened? I said, I won the lotto. You won the lotto? How much <laughs> did you win? I said, I won the lotto alive, buddy. I really won the lotto alive. So he says, so it's really not about the money? Oh, no, it's not about the money. I'm gone. See you in two weeks. Here's my resignation. And away I went. And, that was it. and you lived down in Lakeland? We moved down here right away. I mean, that was literally uh, got 
interviewed in July, moved here in August, and never looked back. And that was it five years ago. And you have really had a dramatic impact on Sun and Fun between just the volunteers, people that are more helpful, uh, identifying different locations, bringing new things, more 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 spirit, I think, to the sun and fun. And uh, it's very noticeable, and you're to be commended and congratulated on that because it always starts from the top. Someone that says, this is how we're going to run, and you run an efficient operation, I've got to tell you. Well, thanks, Dave. I appreciate that. And I'll, I'll be the first to tell you that it, it needed some guidance. It was a great ship. This was a good organization, a lot of well-meaning, strong-hearted volunteers. What they just didn't have was a good captain of the ship. They needed somebody with direction and an idea and then get everybody convinced this is a good idea and let's all row harder. We can work smarter, row hard, and we'll all be winners at the end. Right now, Dave, for the first time in Sun and Fun's history, first time in 42 years, not only are we completely and totally debt-free, but we have money in the bank. And we're now, like I said, we're putting money back into the aviation community. So I tell all the exhibitors and vendors that come out here, I said, look, guys, when you come here, your money goes to produce people that are going to buy your product. We're making that happen for you. We're doing it for free. You pay us. We pay for them to fly. They come buy your product. We all win. And the kids win, too, because you've got a school right here, a high school, if I'm a not mistaken. A high school with uh, capacity for 500. we got 350 in there right now. Uh, those kids are just awesome. It's unbelievable to watch the transformation from a freshman in that school looks like every other freshman across the United States. But by Christmas or January, they're standing tall, upright, look you in the eye, yes, sir, no, sir, wearing nice clothes, because that peer group says, we either act like adults or we're out of here. Right, and tell us about that school. That school has been here now for five years. Uh, it started open up in August of 2011, right before, as I got here, actually. Uh, we, we, take, uh, we own the building. Mr. James Ray was the one that funded it to build it. It was built in nine months, three-story, all high-tech. All the rooms in there are advanced technology. It's, they're better than most colleges. So oh, I've been in it. It's magnificent. Oh, it's phenomenal. So we take, uh, we don't own the teachers. We lease it to the county. The county pays us, and we take that money and put it into scholarships. How cool is that? That's beautiful. And then we take the students, and we give them extracurricular activity. We immerse them in our volunteer force throughout the year. We give them uh, orientation flights, and then we let them fly with us on our aircraft. And now, now that we've been so successful with that, we've had people donate airplanes. We just built the largest youth flying club in the world, 12,000 square feet. So it's a through the fence. They can get out of the school. They can walk right into their flying club, and they can go fly their airplane. And they don't have to go through TSA or the airport badge or whatever. They're good to go. And I bet you've got a line of people that want to get into that school. Oh, yes, sir. Absolutely. A waiting list. Absolutely. We're very selective. But still, you know what we do? We try to be fair. So with 2.75 grade point average is all you got to have. We're not looking for a rocket scientist. We don't want a, the dregs. But a, just your general kid whose mom and dad are probably working hard, don't have enough spare cash to get them a pilot license. We're going to get them in that school, get them motivated, get a pilot license on our pocket, maybe an AMP rating, and then push them, help them. We just joined up with JS Firm. They're the ones that are going to find them a job. And so give them life skills, which is important. That's and direction. Lucky, ability to make decisions. Ability to look at a problem, assess it, determine what the right path is, figure out what an alternate is, come up with a decision, and then be accountable, responsible, and ultimately fly on an airplane. You get the confidence to do anything. Well, we talked about that earlier in the show, that uh, got to be an alpha, alpha males need to be decisive. And, and there's a problem now where we see a lot of wussified betas yeah. across this country that are indecisive. And I had a story about... Um, Couple of uh, uh, an air, a, uh, an American Airlines commuter flight, uh, Republic Airlines that was going into LaGuardia, and uh, they were going right in the path of a convective cell. 
And they didn't say to the air traffic controller, they waited too long to tell the air traffic controllers, and then the air traffic controller said, well, I can't get it to you right now. You can't make the turn. I'll do it a little bit. They went right into it. Now, you and I as aviators, no. we were talking, we, we, you have to be decisive, and you have to tell that air traffic controller, well ahead, we need to deviate around it because we're not going in there. And if you want me to go in there, I'm declaring an emergency. Now I'm going around it. Yeah. And so you are teaching kids at a young age to be decisive, to be alphas, and that is very commendable. And the uh, sun and fun, it's one week, but you work year-round to make this thing a success. <laughs> yes, we do. It's great stuff. I tell you what, there's nothing better than to see those kids go into high school as just a general average student and come out a young adult with a plan, with a focus, and the skills to get things done, and especially in the world of aerospace. John Lights Leanhouts, the CEO of the Sun and Fun Fly-In Expo, has done a great job. As always, thanks for the hospitality, and we hope to see you again next year. Maybe sooner I'll fly in, and uh, I'll have to meet you for lunch one day right on the field. Here. Please do. Give me a call, Dave. You're always welcome. Lunch is on me. You bring the cigars. I'll provide the whiskey. Oh, I got cigars for you right here, so uh, stand by. You, you bring the whiskey. Oh, wait a minute. Then I can't fly back. So uh, you may have to give me a ride back to Tampa, but we'll we'll figure that out. Actually, I got a, I got a ferry plate over here in the next uh, week, so I'll definitely give you a call. All As right, always, sir. Lights, great to see and thank you for everything. Great job at the Sun and Fun Flying. Lieutenants, the final and concluding segment from this special edition of the Cigar Dave Show from the Sun and Fun International Flying Expo comes your way next. The General is now on Instagram. Follow him for pictures of the latest cigars, libations, and what he's enjoying during the show. <laughs> that could be interesting, and we'll have to block out some faces. Go to Instagram and search Cigar Dave. The journey of Jarguera began with a very special yet delicate Cuban seed. The Grupo de Maestros took their rare tobacco to the privileged farmlands of western Honduras, where they began a five-year program to combine its sweet flavors and distinctively aromatic qualities with the robustness of Criollo 98. The result was Jarguera, a genetic hybrid tobacco containing the best qualities of each. Grown on a single state containing rich soil and ideal weather conditions, Jarguera features flavors of coffee and chocolate with hints of nutmeg and cinnamon. Shade and sun-grown versions of this exceptional tobacco are now used exclusively in one cigar. Jarguera H. Upman. Experience Jarguera H. Upman. Now at your local tobacconist and visit jarguera.com to learn more. Surgeon General Warning. Cigar smoking can cause lung cancer and heart disease. Okay, people, we've just been awarded the Brickhouse Attic Out. Now, this cigar was named Best Bargain Cigar of 2009 by Cigar Aficionado, got a 91 rating, plus it's the hottest cigar on the market. So, we need an award-winning slogan. He's a brick. <laughs> what about, it's not your grandfather's cigar? Ah, it's been done. Next. How about good to the last draw? Ah, something original, people. You deserve a brick today? Now, who are you? Do you even work here? Excuse me, sir. Am I to understand that every Brickhouse cigar is built with all the flavor and quality of the premium cigars of yesteryear? Yesteryear? Really? That's right, Bixby. But yeah, it costs around five bucks each. Indeed. Well, sir, people don't really need a slogan. They don't? No, sir. Then what do they need? Five bucks and a comfortable chair. Five bucks and a comfortable chair. Genius! Meet the perfect cigar to share with friends. Brickhouse by J.C. Newman. Handmade in Nicaragua with a fine Havana Subido wrapper. Brickhouse starts out earthy and crisp and burns well-rounded and smooth. Nothing stands the test of a good time like a Brickhouse. For more, visit BrickhouseCigars.com. 
Enjoy the latest and greatest cigars shipped directly to you. Join the Cigar Dave Officers Club now, and you'll receive three premium cigars every month. Membership is just $22.95, including shipping and handling. Join by going to CigarDave.com now. That's CigarDave.com. Click on Officers Club. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay It's alpha male pleasure in the stratosphere Oh, sort of like the Mile High Club This is the Cigar Dave Show from the annual Sun and Fun International Fly-In and Expo in Lakeland, Florida and now, your aviator-in-chief, Cigar Dave. Final segment from the 2016 Sun and Fun International Fly-In Expo in Lakeland. Just a moment, we'll be joined by Captain Mark Blanton, longtime friend. But first, those of you lieutenants that are in Atlanta, big event coming to uh, the uh, big ATL. And that is the Cigar Barbecue by Diamond Crown. Actually, it's returning to a number of cities this year. A nationwide tour of great Diamond Crown cigars, great spirits, great local cuisine. And it kicks off on April 21st. Uh, actually, just a couple of weeks away. We're just uh, just about uh, two weeks away. Actually, it is Thursday, April 21st in Atlanta. The very first event will take place uh, in the 404. And I'm trying to remember where it is going to be. It will come to me. Let me see. I don't know where it is in Atlanta, but it will come to me momentarily. But... They also are going to have events in Austin, Texas, Denver, Colorado, Chicago, Illinois, Portland, Oregon, Philadelphia, St. Louis, and the Cigar City of Tampa. And actually, it's going to take place Thursday, April 21st in Atlanta, 6 to 9 p.m. at Venkman's, which uh, I believe is uh, right just a little bit to the east of downtown Atlanta. Now, here is the deal. We've got a special deal, discount deal, for those of you that are Cigar Dave lieutenants and fellow alphas. 75 bucks to attend, you are going to get $25 off with the special code, The General. So go to CigarDave.com. We've got a, uh, a graphic right on our homepage there, and you'll see a link to Cigar BQ. Don't forget, put in The General, and you get 25 bucks off the $75 fee. And again, Atlanta, just about two weeks from today, a little bit less than two weeks, and it should be a great event. You can also go to Cigar BQ, that's Cigar, the letter B, Q-U-E, dot com. Mark Blanton, a fellow cigar connoisseur and a fellow aviation enthusiast, joins us. Mark, of course, from the Humidor store, the official Humidor, I would say, designers and builders and humidification source for everything at the uh, Cigar Connoisseur Radio Network and the Cigar Dave Show. Great to see you. Another sun and fun. And not only are you in the cigar industry, you are also in the aviation industry. You own Atlantic Airlines. Absolutely. Good based out of Lakeland. Good afternoon. Welcome to Lakeland to Sun and Fun 2016. Incredible weather we're having out here today. Actually, all this week. Um, it's nice to be able to have an event where you get to mix the alpha male from both sides. you got aviation airplanes, beautiful babes. 
and cigars. We've got lots and lots of cigars. It's a beautiful thing. There's no doubt about it. So, uh, first of all, how is uh, how's your dad, Jim Blanton, longtime friend? We had him on at the Cigar Retailers Convention last uh, July from New Orleans. Did a nice uh, uh, video shoot with him, and you were on stage with us. How's he doing? Dad is doing fantastic. He is um, working himself to death. I can tell you that our business is absolutely booming. Um, the liquor store industry is growing by leaps and bounds for us, along with the regular tobacconists. Um, and, of course, we have all of the private individuals across this country wanting to turn their basements, their closets into little small walk-in humidors. We're guiding them along the way and providing them the equipment that they need to do it by. You can do everything from literally a little coat closet all the way up to as large as they want, big as this uh, AOPA pavilion that we're broadcasting from here at Sun and Fun. But the cool thing is that if somebody moves, the humidor moves with them. That's it. When you're using the, um, the humidor stores, we have this thing called the uh, man cave, or we'll call it a walk-in humidor. It's portable, and uh, it's put together simply by bolts and wing nuts. It doesn't take no uh, scientist to put this thing together. We've already put it together for you at the shop. You give us a size. We come up with drawings. You look at the drawings, you say, that's exactly what I like. It has a price to it. If you like the price of it, it's great. You say, that's a little more than I want to spend. Then guess what? We look at it, we modify it, get it in your price range. We manufacture it, package it up, ship it to your home, and presto, you're there. And the great thing is you will accommodate any budget. You can accommodate any design from contemporary to traditional. You name it, you you work with them one-on-one to create something that is unique. And that, I think, is so great because, again, somebody moves to another house, they move to another city, you can disassemble that, and your investment doesn't go down the drain. Exactly. And and to make it really simple, say someone had a small closet they want to turn to a walk-in humidor, and they got the, the closet, they don't know exactly where to begin at. Well, it's very simple. I mean, they can line it with Spanish cedar, but then we can manufacture the shelves for them and put LED lights on the bottom of it. We've got small ultrasonic humidifiers that we've come out with right now that we can sell them, they can put in there, and they got a perfect small walk-in humidor kept the cost down because they did all the work themselves in-house, but we just helped them with the shelves, the lighting, and the humidifier. Give me the website, phone number for the Humidor Store. It's www.humidorstore.com is the website, and the phone number is 1-800-HUMIDOR. 1-800-HUMIDOR, beautiful. You can't miss it. Mark, as always, we appreciate you joining us, and I thank you, longtime friend, regards to your dad. Lieutenants, we wrap it up from the 2016 Sun and Fun International Fly and Expo, Lakeland, Florida. What a glorious day we have had. Still time to come out today and tomorrow. Cigar Dave, the general, saying, Mayor Humidor, always be full. Mayor Cutter, always be sharp. Mayor Ashby, extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio, always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. And may your landings always be silky smooth. And on the numbers. <laughs>